You are now listening to For All Nerds Show, a podcast about geek and pop culture from the perspective of people of color. For All Nerds is hosted by DJ Ben Amin and Tatiana Keen Jones. For All Nerds Show is a member of the Loudspeakers Network, where we always say rest in peace to our founder, Combat Jack. For All Nerds Show is powered by our listeners. Everything we do from our podcasts, live events, our website are all independently funded. Please continue to support us through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash for all nerds. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. And what's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the For All Nerds Show. The voice of the urban geek, the podcast that's dedicated to geek culture from the perspective of people of color. It's your boy, DJ Ben Amin, a.k.a. Arsenio Hollaback, Quentin Quarantino. I'm going to keep my uh, AKA short this week because we've got two huge special guests if we're keeping it real. Because back in the co-captain's chair is my brother. Chico Leo, AKA Bernie Sanders, AKA Wuhan Solo, AKA Corona Rider, AKA Around the Block in 80 Days, AKA Better Call Saulacious <laughs> Crumb. What? <laughs> You know, it's funny. I almost didn't use that because I thought you might have used that once. What? But better, better call Saul Crumb. Yeah. Who is Saul Crumb? That's the Star Wars thing, right? Yeah, Salacious Crumb is the little dude that sits with uh, Jabba yeah, the Hutt and laughs yeah. all the time. Yes. And then wow. uh, R2-D2 takes him out right after uh, Leia kills uh, kills uh, Jabba. There we go. So then, no, I did not. And you already lost me on Around the World in 80, I mean, Around the Block in 80 Days. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god all right well uh as you see uh our special guest our one of our special guests has introduced himself but we also have a returning special guest one of my favorite people in the world filmmaker uh twitter rock'em tour is that the word is that how you say that oh yeah that, yeah there we go i like that that's a great one uh, like I said, one of my favorite people, uh, Lexi Alexander, needs no introduction, but, you know, please introduce yourself. And hello. But actually, I want to have an introduction like you just gave one for yourself. <laughs> Can you do one for me? I don't have your AKAs, though. You know, I, well, you, I actually you, have an you, AKA for Lexi. You, you, could, oh, you could make some up. You could okay, make she some up says he has one. I have one for you. Dojo Cat. <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And, and actually, for for a while, my nickname was Alley Cat. Oh <laughs> no, but I, yeah, yeah, Dojo yeah. Cat. That is amazing. Yeah, uh, nice. This superstar out there, Doja Cat. So you could be Doja Cat, aka Flying Back Fist, the Deadly Left Foot. <laughs> wow, there we go. See. See, you do have AKAs, and you can do oh. your own introduction. But yes, you know, you've been on the show before. Like I say, you're one of my favorite people out there. You know, director of just some of my favorite films as well, and just an amazing and person. Shows. In say what? And TV shows. And TV shows at that. Yeah. I mean, all kind of different things. You know, just everything and anything. <laughs> well, right back at you. You're one of my favorite people, as you know. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Because, you know, I mean, I could go on and on. Like, 
I'll be honest, I'll just put it out there, you know, because this is a show about giving people their propers. Every time or any time that I'm really feeling about fuck Hollywood or anything, I'll hit Lexi up and she reminds me to keep going and to keep doing, you know, something. So thank you very much for that. Uh, well, well, we need you more than they, more than, <laughs> wait, we need you more than you need them. That's, that's really the way it is. Thank you very much. I know I, I pretty much feel that these days too because uh, what we do. I mean, have you noticed? It's really yeah. interesting. Well, like what what's out there, um, you know, uh, on content and stuff. You know, when when you actually like start looking at what's out there, and take a moment and pause, you start realizing that you know voices and voices of color and storytellers of color are still the minorities so that when we run out of content you know you run out much faster out of content from people of color than you run out you, we could watch white content you know for another hundred years <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah stuff that's just been backed up yeah you know something that i read an article the other day about how they think that uh because of the coronavirus that a, a lot of issues on set while shooting might um might might change you know how people shoot you know someone was talking about shooting in la next to like all kinds of dog shit or like you know um you know people shoot in conditions you know where it's like you know you're in a building and it smells like gas but you're still shooting there and so there was an article saying that they think because of this there's going to be potentially new rules on set about like cleanliness because you know when the whole crew eats You've got like a hundred people breathing over the same food and things like that. And so it was sort of an interesting article that like, you know, at the end of this, you know, th there are going to be new rules in production to protect, to protect, you know, the crew and the cast, um, you know, from potentially, you know, people get sick on set, they still come in and then they get other people sick, you know, by the end of a shoot, everybody's sick. It's, uh, you know, and so they well, were saying. It, it, you know, I completely welcome this idea because, um, um, as as you know, Ben, I mean, I was at, in the middle of Brooklyn, actually, when this whole thing really broke out. I mean, I knew it was breaking out way before, but you kind of look at your government and think, well, if nobody here is concerned, why should I be concerned? And I was in the middle of shooting a TV episode. Um, and we were just going to get ready to meet, remember? And... Mm -hmm. um, and we kept going the second week it was really interesting because now and it was around the 12th of march now rumors started popping up everywhere of other shows shutting down of other shows having coronaviruses outbreaks and all of this and i'm still shooting and i think i even mentioned on instagram like i can't believe i'm still shooting yeah i am in new york you know <laughs> uh on on friday at that point it was friday the 13th or something like that and um they finally, in the middle of a night shoot, they came and, and basically stopped everything. But it also meant, because it was the end of the season, it meant my episode that I now worked my ass off for like a week um, will never see the light of day because, you wow. know, they, they basically will air the, the season without this episode. And you don't come back to one episode and finish it. You, mm. you just don't, you know, so that... You, you can just take that entire footage on every argument or discussion you had or every, like, thing you prepped and, and toss it. It was a waste of time. And, you know, a lot of actors kind of had very emotional scenes and stuff, especially the guest actors. There's a couple of guest actors who, 
you know, really had like tough scenes and to, to think that you were just going through that for a week and then the whole thing is thrown out was just unbelievable. But the big thing was that in the aftermath, I'm not sure if you guys read it, but in the aftermath, I was called by human resources from the studio and was told that, um, you know, we had an, we had positive Corona positive people working on set and they wanted what? to inform. Yeah. And they wanted to inform me, but they only wanted to inform me and 10 other people. And so uh, I, I can't believe you didn't see it. It was on no. my feet for a couple of days wow. and it ended up, yeah. it ended up in variety. Cause I ended up, you know, so basically she told me the human resource person told me she would only, um, tell me and like 10 other people who were in touch with this person. And I said to her, hold up for a moment, unless we don't understand how viruses work. If I was in touch with that person, every person I was in touch with is also at risk. You can't just tell me. It was one of those mm -hmm. really kind of elitist things that people tend to do in my industry and that I always speak out against, but it always gets me into trouble, you know, but I couldn't understand how you identify 10 people and the director being one of them. And then not tell the other people because unless, you know, I, this, the, this Corona positive person, which they didn't want to name this person. So I didn't know who it was unless it was the last person I spoke to on my last shooting day, then everybody I spoke to after I had to do with this person is also at risk. So you can't just tell me and five other people, you have to tell everybody. And only when I went on Twitter and started complaining about this, did they, finally sent a letter out <laughs> wow. and then and then variety picked it up and of course me i'm thinking well so much for ever working on that production again <laughs> did, did they offer you testing because to tell you no. oh someone see that's even crazier not like only did they not offer me testing i asked because you know i i wasn't really that concerned about me but for one if i would have known before i flew back from new york i could have at least you know, quarantined myself, you know, sure. because, you know, they don't know what my situation. And yes, I came back to somebody in my household who I could have prevented, you know, I could have sent them off and said, hey, either you or I, but I was, with, so they didn't tell me. Now imagine if I would have had kids or an elderly parent at home. They don't know that, that I didn't have. So mm. they didn't tell us until way later. So that was one thing. But then I asked if I can get tested only because I also have asthma. And I knew immediately because I've watched other language news that had information a month before America has it. I immediately knew that I was more at risk. And I said to her, so do we have tests set up? And she said, ha, tests, no. And then she said, okay, this is somebody who works in human resources, who's never been on a set. She's been in LA the entire time. She said to me, oh no, like I'm here with my little, uh, you know, child and even I can't get a test. And, and, well, and I, yeah. I, I, I was stunned for a moment. I'm like, what do you mean? Even you can't get a test. You weren't on the set that I was. And, right. and, and also that sounds a little bit like, well, if you can't get it, how should I get, get it? Like, yeah. it, was so, they, it was so politically incorrect from all aspects. It was just ethically incorrect. That's what it was. And for me to have to blow the whistle so that every crew member knows that there was an outbreak, you know, just so that they can avoid seeing whatever their immunocompromised kids, their elderly parents was just so crazy. 
But, you know, because it's coronavirus time, it's by this time, it, it almost looked, it's, to me, it seems like that was last year. Everything went so fast and you know, we've had so much news since then, you know? Yeah, it's only a month ago. Yeah. And, and yeah, it that, feels like, yeah, it feels like six months ago. Yeah. That is ridiculous, man. And well, especially I, to you guys in New York, everything changed since that month. When I left, oh, yeah. it was still normal, you know? Everything was open. As of today, it's it's illegal. As of the, the today that we're recording this, it's illegal to to go outside without a mask. Wow. Uh, Cuomo, Cuomo said that today at his, uh, you know, and that and that 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 brings up a whole other thing with like, you know, cops harassing people. I mean, there's been videos on Twitter of people getting harassed by cops for not, you know, social distancing or for not wearing a mask, and like that's just going to get you know, it just gives them another excuse cops have been harassing people whether you know they have a mask or if they don't have a mask right right yeah it's like either way i just think for black men with masks this is a real fucking challenge obviously you know this is not this is not right and we we know that and you know even i was telling everybody we need to wear masks and because i again heard it on european tv they were already way ahead of this right and then mm-hmm. people here lied because there weren't enough masks. And they, yep. they thought that saying that masks will really help will make everybody steal everything and buy everything. And they didn't want that. But I knew it. But, you know, of course, then the minute it actually became a law or first a suggestion, immediately, you know, a lot of black men said, look, we've already like you can't make me go with a mask into a store. I'll get shot immediately. And. I was like, oh, fuck, of course. And so now making it actually a law is just, whew, you know, I just, it's just a messed up country, to be honest, you know. It sure is. And and and, and a messed up country with a really messed up response to, uh, you know, the biggest emergency that we faced in, you know, 100 years, 100, you know, since, since, the, since the last time. And they screwed this up the first time in 1918. So, you know, it's, uh, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Well, you know, we have the worst person in charge to, uh, to deal with it. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, well, we, the good news is that we've definitely plateaued in New York, you know, deaths have lowered and cases have lowered for like a week now. Um, but the problem is, is that if they, they, if they just let people out without ramping up the testing or the, you know, getting a vaccine, it's just going to start all over again. So, Correct. Correct. Yeah. And the, the problem is that nobody knows yet if people who had it are immune. But America right. is already acting like, oh, yeah, when you had it, you can't get it again. That's not true. Nobody Mm-mm. confirmed this. And actually virologists all over the world saying, no, we don't know this. We, as a matter of fact, people have gotten it again on our watch. So, you know, it's just sometimes America is very like, and it's, you know, the, the thing about it is everybody just points at Trump, but, you know, he's been in charge for four years. Um, and yeah, he sent the pandemic, you know, team away. He's, he's, you know, he's a mess, obviously. But this is a, is a systemic problem that, that started way before him, you know. Um, I'm not sure this country would have had as many ventilators, uh, even if it had been a democratic president, you know, and I wasn't aware of that. I wasn't aware that Germany has 30 ICU places with ventilators per thousand people. Well, most of America has three per thousand people. 
And this is where it starts. And this didn't just come around with Trump. I mean, I'm sure actually all of the Republicans are at fault. <laughs> but mm. I'm not so sure it's just, it's just, we can just point at like, oh yeah, we have crazy right-wingers here. You no, know? no, no. We, we can definitely go back way further than that. And it's been a problem. Our, but, I mean, our, our governor here, Andrew Cuomo, I mean, he's a Democrat and he's been getting really great marks, but he actually closed down, uh, you know, tens of thousands of hospital beds that, you know, that, that they could have used when this, you know, in, 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 you know, earlier in his administration. Um, so, you know, the Democrat, there are Democrats who've definitely contributed to this. I mean, I definitely, the mainstream Democrats are almost Republicans at this point. I mean, they're not, <laughs> I agree. but they're, no, but I they're, agree. they're, they're, Listen, they're don't definitely, take it back yeah. because I'm, I'm livid right now. I mean, I, yeah. I look at this country and I go, you know, and again, like I, you know, I'm a citizen now, so I ha I have to care, but I'm really like thinking about this. I'm like, can I give this passport back and get another one? <laughs> because mm. it, it's it's very frustrating to see in the middle of a pandemic, we are in the middle of a pandemic, and it's now clear that it it affects, you know, minority communities, Black and Latino communities the most. So we have that now, and people are still... Uh, not sure if Medicare for all is the right thing to do. And that's not just the Republicans. They're very, they they at least very clear, okay? They are very clear about the bootstrap kind of bullshit. And we don't want to give anything to people who don't look like us. I get it. But at least they're clear about it. Whereas I'm not so sure about these white liberals and moderates who are like, eh, hey, you know, Warren and Sanders, they're so radical. And I'm like, you you retweeting Angela Merkel every day. You, you know, who literally have the same plans as Warren and Sanders had. And I don't understand the, the resistance. Like, what is so radical about them? Oh, we need a centrist to win against the right-wingers. I, I just, I don't know how this country can progress when even, even in a time of great pain, um, they don't see it. You know, well, that's what's frustrating to me. That's been my worry with this whole situation. And that's what I was saying from weeks ago. It's not that the COVID is the problem. It's that hope, you know, that we won't see a change in America because of it. Because it's like people aren't recognizing that this is the result of the path that we've been on for a long time here. But another thing that I do want to talk about is we were talking about on, uh, me and Lexi were talking about earlier this week. And on the show, I well, for the last few weeks, even we've and pretty much all the time on the show, but we've really been going hard about it on the show is trying to really like tell people to count their blessings and focus on the positive in their life. Because as stressful as the situation is for everyone, you also have to remember, you know, that we are like we do live in America. You know, there are a lot of things that a lot of people in this world don't have that we take for granted here. And but me and Lexi were talking about going back and forth. and. Like, is there is it is there a place for being angry online, or like, do you feel that like? Well, I know we both go back and forth on this, but do you feel like you have to maintain a positive attitude, or do you like feel like you have a duty to you know be angry and you know talk about what's going on? I mean, you know, I actually listened to your last podcast, which and it was great. It was great to hear Peter talk, and you know, for like an hour, I felt transferred into a different world and in a positive mm. world this is a good thing that happened to a good guy and it's it's creating stories that are good for all of us so 
like, look, I could cry just talking about it now. And it was really great, like listening to that podcast and listening to you guys. And I heard what you said in the beginning about being positive. And I do think in a way we have, we should supply that for people, you know, the problem I have with that, and as I stopped, when I when the podcast was over, I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about all positive things. <laughs> you know, to, to, to be honest, I could actually talk about a lot of, you know, people have no idea that there's a whole other side to my life. You know, it's like mm -hmm. right now I've been taking this time to sort out a garage that I've collected 20 years of vintage toys. And stuff pops up that I don't even know what it is. And I sit here and have to look at these at these action figures. And I'm like, should I tweet and ask what this is? I bet you that would be funny. And I don't do it because I open up Twitter and there's some bullshit. <laughs> and, 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 and um, you know, of course, then you have to point it out like that. It is bullshit, you know? Then you like your brain chemistry changes because now you're yep. depressed. Now you don't want to talk about vintage toys anymore, right? <laughs> but also, once I hung, you know, once I was done with the podcast and I said, that's what I'm going to do, part of me really feels, first of all, if we don't speak up, nobody's going to do it. There's no white guy who suddenly comes out. Not Well, maybe there's the here and there white savior guy, okay, who gets yeah, great praise for speaking up for us, right? This is the praise never comes to us, by the way. It's always like, it's like we got these two, three white guys who are really speaking up for Palestine, right? And boy, they get so much more press than like us Palestinian women trying, like we just get blacklisted from jobs, right? And you know, blocked and unfollowed, you know, but the minute the white guy comes, he's like the liberal, oh, the guy who sees it, you know, and this is just what we have to live with. But there's only two, three of them. So if we collectively would stop speaking about the stuff that needs to be changed, it wouldn't get changed. We just don't have the privilege. So that's one thing that we just can't afford to stop speaking up uh, about the injustice. And the other thing is that you know, I have a lot of people from Palestine, in actually Palestine, in Gaza, in Al-Khalil, following me. And it, it feels weird to me if I keep my feet too light. My, mm. my thought instantly goes to them. And, you know, then, you know, I often complain about those white directors I follow that are just in complete blissful you know, ignorance every day. Oh, look how great this Star Wars movie is. And look how, what a great scene I did then. And look how awesome this was. And every day with the fucking lightness and the bullshit. And I'm looking at them like, really? Are you not seeing what's going on? And people love it, by the way. The film nerds love these guys that, mm -hmm. you know, every day they keep it light and they keep it about movies. And, but I hate them. I really do because <laughs> I... I mean, I got to say, say up straight. And by the way, they totally know I hate it too, you know. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I look at them, I'm like, really? You can't take your fucking white male privilege and shut up about your movie for a day and just help us out and point some of these things out? Or just don't even speak. Retweet people of color. Just retweet people of color, especially women of color. Like, use your platform to elevate great voices during this time. Instead of a, making, you know, a, a comment yourself so you get the applause, or B, just talking about your fucking movie that's a year old, right? I mean, and so I, and I feel then when I think of my people in Palestine, when they see me, I'm wondering if I'm not that white guy for them. You know what I'm saying? 
Mm. Like, am I not turning into the guy I hate mm. <laughs> for them? Because if I start just, you know, oh, here's my vintage toy and oh, look at what I'm doing here. <laughs> like, how am I not that guy for them? But on the what? other hand, just today, somebody like, you know, uh, like sent me some screenshot of some guy who complained about my angry tweets or whatever. And, um, you know, I do feel like, look, it's not my choice. I don't want to be angry all the time. You don't think I want to talk about movies and vintage toys? I do. I, I just don't feel I can. There's also the, the, there's a disconnect in the country, you know, with, you know, the inequality where some people are tweeting out of their giant houses where they have a huge yard that they can walk around in. And most people are in apartments, you know, where they can't, they, you know, they can't really go outside or, you know, they're trapped in, you know, the same three or four rooms and you don't realize, I think Nancy Pelosi tweeted oh, oh, yeah. the picture I of her it. freezer <laughs> and people were like, and it just, it was all ice cream. And people were like, yo, that's $12 a pint ice cream. <laughs> you know, I only buy ice cream when it's on sale, when it's like two for five, you know, yeah. like if I walk into a grocery store with $12, I walk out with a bag full of stuff, you know? Yeah. And it was like, you know, and it's just like the, um, you know, the disconnect, um, it is really highlighted. Like, um, I know people in apartments where there are other people in the building with coronavirus and they're trapped. I mean, they're not in the same apartment as them, but they're in the same building touching the same doorknob every day, you know, to go outside or, you know, just the hallway or like, you know, mail and, and, and everything like that. It's a completely different experience than someone in L.A. who's on a quarter of an acre and they have, you know, lemon trees that they can sit <laughs> under, you know, and, 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 and whatever. I'm just saying, like, you know, um, the, you know, it's so, so it, it, it highlights the, the, the inequality that, uh, you know, that we have here. I mean, the whole coronavirus thing is, is highlighted it, you know? Yeah. Um, Mm. Oh, all right. Oh, <laughs> this is the For All Nerd Show, though. You know, in case everybody, you know, out there listening is like, what's up with all this uh, political talk? Even though we pretty much talk all kind of everything. But we have Lexi Alexander, we have Chico Leo in the building, and we're going to take a quick break right here, and we'll be right back with more of the show. Hey guys, it's Allison Williams. I'm an actor, and when I am not scaring people on screen, I am hanging out with For All Nerds and listening to their show. Hey guys, this is Rod and Karen of the Blackout Tales podcast, and when we are doing one of our mini podcasts, yes, we are listening to For All Nerds. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Asante, one-third of the Friend Zone, and when I am not smoking pot or playing Shinobi Striker, I am listening to For All Nerds. Tune in. What's up, everybody? This is Chuck Creekmer, a.k.a. Jigsaw from AllHipHop.com. And when I'm not placing my heavy hand on the world of hip-hop culture, I'm watching for all nerds. Hey, this is Logan Browning, and when I'm not trying to take over Netflix, I'm listening to for all nerds. Yo, what up? This is Yahya Abdul-Mateen the second I play Black Manta in the Aquaman movies. And when I'm not getting around the city, I'm chilling, listening to For All Nerds. What's up, y'all? This is Ann Steven Harris, fire artist, co-creator of Aztec, fire artist on Ajala, The Fringe, Michael Cray, Watson the Homes, don't forget Watson the Homes, award winner of Watson the Homes, Glyph Award, Eyes are nominated. When I'm not drawing, I am listening to For All Nerds. 
check it. Hey, I'm Malcolm Lee, director of Night School, and when I'm not directing, writing, and producing, and editing and spending time with my kids, I'm listening to For All Nerds. Hey, this is Pamela Ribbon, and when I'm not writing things like My Boyfriend is a Bear or Ralph Breaks the Internet, I am listening to For All Nerds. Yo, what's up? This is Chico Leo, and when I'm not leading an Athenian revolt in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I'm listening to For All Nerds. And what's up, y'all? Welcome back to this episode of the For All Nerds Show. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here in this wild-ass time. Please make sure you're subscribed on all the various platforms where you can find our show, such as SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, pretty much everywhere except Tidal because Jay-Z doesn't love us. But uh, for real, make sure you hit us up on twitch.tv slash forallnerds because we have been doing a lot of stuff on there, such as me DJing. We had our brother, Professor Brandon Ogunu, on there dropping, I mean, knowledge, like straight up knowledge. Like he was doing a, what they call a science masterclass about COVID, about the coronavirus on our Twitch channel. And he'll be back probably later on this week. He, he was on there gaming and talking, and it was really great. I mean, just amazing knowledge from that brother. Thank you so much. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, like Lexi said, we had Peter Ramsey. I mean, come on now. We had Peter Ramsey, director of Spider-Verse. Like, it, it was a dream come true to me. Thank you, Lexi, for once again helping to hook that one up. I mean, just, whew. So go listen to that. Go listen to the week before we had Brandon on the show as well. Professor Brandon, you know, it, it's, just, it's been a lot of things going on over here. I mean, it's been, you know, it's been really good. It's been popping. Y'all should be, you know, hip, telling a friend to tell a friend. For all nerds, subscribe. Whew, you like that little commercial right there? <laughs> that was dope. They should just play that on, on other loudspeaker shows. You know, they really should, but, you know, that's a whole other thing to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Chris Morrow. I hope you're good out there, you know, safe and sound wherever you are. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we have Lexi Alexander on the show, and uh, me and Lexi go back. Damn, I, I can't even remember when we... I know I started following you, I think, first, but you always claimed that you were following me first. But I don't believe that for a second. But um, yeah. I'm not so sure, but I remember being like, I mean, I think we really became friends after I've been on your podcast, right? First yeah, time. Definitely. Right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How it usually happens. We draw people into the podcast and then they just, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> friend is great. It's <laughs> um, a good but, strategy. Uh, during the break, you were asking me some questions and, um, yeah, because I have actually nothing to say about myself. In, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, being this being a comeback guest here, and I thought to myself before before we started the podcast that actually you have much more to say about what's going on with you. And um, well, you know, a little bit. I mean, you know, I would like I I would personally like, and I'm sure everybody else, on your thoughts on American Gods. Or the new season, or, or you know what happened and what happened since then. I don't know if you spoke about it on the podcast, but I don't think so. But then also, <laughs> like I tried to hook you up with a gig, and yes. that became a whole thing, and then it didn't become a thing, which was sad. Which, which I think we should talk about. 
Okay, well, um, in order of operations, let's see, American Gods. Now, I I guess I really haven't, um, because you know, I, I as a like new freshman or whatever you want to call it, writer in the industry, I was definitely, you know, when I came off American Gods, I was really trying to make sure I didn't ruffle any feathers and say anything of the wrong nature or get myself in trouble where I wouldn't work again. And I really haven't, I mean, I've done, you know, various things here and there, but I haven't been back in a writer's room since American Gods. So it's, um, it's been interesting. I've, like, I've had to, like, find my love for writing again, one thing. And you, Lexi, have really helped me with that a lot of times, I know, because um, you've done a lot of stuff. Like, we were working on that other project where I wrote the um, episode for that. And you really love that. And just whenever you approve of my writing, it makes me feel better about myself. Because I don't, you know, most of the time I'm like, this is shit. You know, even when, like, sometimes I know it's really good. Don't don't get me wrong. There are times when I know my writing's good and everything. But as far as American Gods, I uh, honestly did not watch the second season. Because that it was just too, I was too close to it. Like, we, just like you were talking about, we'd plotted out the whole damn season. We'd had, like... Uh, I want to say at least five episodes written, whole episodes already written. And then, you know, it got canned. And everything we thought about got thrown out or repurposed. And some ideas that I had definitely made it into the second season, you know, in different ways and whatnot. And that was interesting to hear about since I didn't personally watch it myself. But that was like, oh, wow, you know, they did use that. Mm. And, um... (laughs) You know, that was interesting. And then there was a whole lot of stuff that happened afterwards. And a lot of people, you know, I know um, Orlando was, you know, upset about the way he was treated. And I felt it's one of those things, like, is Hollywood, uh, I know Hollywood can be racist, but I also know that Hollywood can be very uh, full of just ineptitude. So I felt there might have been a bit of both in the situation with Orlando. In my situation, I just felt like, I don't feel like the people in charge there knew what they were doing. And I don't mean the people uh, who I worked with. I mean, people above everyone I worked with just didn't know what they were doing with American Gods and had never had a show like that on their hands. So, yeah. But, you know, yeah, it's, I, mean, it, it, I was gonna, it's interesting what would have happened if your season had come after Watchmen. You know, if the second season of American Gods had come after Watchmen, which I think, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, think is was the best show of last year. And it was a show that, you know, addressed white supremacy and racism like front and center in the show. You know, I mean, itself. I think American Gods did that, though. I'm like I say, I'm not so sure about the second season. I know they had right. their moments. I know Orlando had that speech that everybody loved from the second season. But I think the show already did that, you know, very much. So that's what attracted me to it so much in the first place was that it was at least trying to say something. but. Yeah, as far as what it did now, I just, you know, that's on them. I, I you know, I, I I know some of the people who were still working on it. My man, I, yeah, he left too, though. But, uh, yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't know if I know anyone who's still there at this point. So, yeah, shout out to them. Hope they're well. I mean, first of all, it's always a bummer when, when you know that you had a unique idea that, you know, maybe your script was scratched, but you know, some executive above you remembered it and puts it into like the, you know, the, into a script anyway. Mm-hmm. Now they made it, now they made it their idea and you yep. don't get a check for it. And to it's happened to me very, very often to the point where at points they, they, 
people who actually admitted to it. So, you know, we didn't hire you, but we used your note. Now that's not cool to say anymore, right? Mm. But it happens still all the time. And it's very frustrating. But talking about Watchmen, for example, you know, one of the things I notice is you've got two types of white liberals in Hollywood that mm. are in power positions. The ones that object to everything that, you know, is any kind of talk of equality and political correctness. And they try to make, uh, continue to make their politically incorrect entertainment. And you got, uh, that's one group, but then you have the smart ones. Then you have mm. the smart ones who start following act activists on, on Twitter. And sometimes they don't even follow. Like I knew this one guy who just had a list. He made a list. Mm -hmm. of all these great voices, but they didn't know he was following them. Mm. And all of a sudden, now I'm not accusing anybody at Watchmen, but I, of course, find it curious that suddenly a pop culture show comes out that gets everything about that right. And because I know so many of these guys, you know, because I know so many of these white, white writers in charge, these, you know, showrunners, I know what they're doing. They're picking all of this up from us, from the people mm -hmm. who get blacklisted for saying these things. Yeah. And they don't hire us because we're actually too much trouble on the set because they still want to do their slight racist bullshit, you know, and their <laughs> slight sexist bullshit, you know. Mm -hmm. But they take all those big concepts and suddenly, oh, look at the woke guys. They did Watchmen. And did you see that? And did you see it? And then you start wondering, okay, how many black writers do you actually have, you know, in your writing room? And you know, then of course they bring out, look, we have two, you know, but, you know, ask them how much. I heard, I heard they have, I thought, I heard they have more than two. I, we had, we had Damon on the show. I know they have more than two, but I'm sure it still wasn't, you know. It's, but you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, like, they, you, you, know. you remember when you were in the room and I'm not saying they're not good guys for bringing you out and hiring it. At least they yeah. have a head to say, hey, these guys talk some really great stuff on their podcast. They know a lot of stuff. Let's bring them out. I, I respect that. That's that's how it should work. Mm -hmm. But then then and there were other d diverse voices, diverse, you know, so-called diverse voices uh, in your room. <laughs> and I know that. But then yep. and I don't want to put you in a bad position here to to talk badly now. But this is one thing that I think we can say without risking anything too much. You know, and I know and everybody should know that just because there's four or five people of color in the room doesn't make them doesn't mean they make decisions. Mm, doesn't no. mean they we actually talked about that on the show yeah, yeah. and so you know it, it, yes now it looks good because when somebody says well you know you talk about all these themes but do you even have people of color on your staff then they bring out here's five what do you say look i have such a diversity but if the white guy in charge still makes all the decisions then you know and writes every script and everything that he's the last he's the final cut he's the last you know, decision on everything, that doesn't mean that it's a narrative from people of color. It just means that person or that team paid attention. They paid attention of what's going on on these Twitter streets, you know? And I, I really, <laughs> I really, what I dislike about that is that everybody said, oh, they did that so good on Watchmen. And I'm like, dude, they like following us. Why mm. do you think they're suddenly switching to these themes? That's what mm. they do. They follow us on Twitter. They listen to all of this. They secretly go to the Soho house in West Hollywood and bitch about the <laughs> fact that we have a microphone. <laughs> then they put it, then they put it in the script. And they <laughs> get fucking applause for their 
Emmy and Golden Globe winning show, and it frustrates me. Okay, mm. it really does. I, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I like I said, I don't want to throw myself under a bus <laughs> right here, but I also, I definitely feel that. I feel that, I mean, Hollywood is just interesting, you know, and that was something that I had to learn, you know, for myself going out there. And I don't think a lot of people really get it. And I always recommend people watch Hollywood Shuffle by Robert Townsend. But even watching that doesn't really get you to understanding of what it's like to be in those rooms with people and everything. But um, here's another one. You were talking about uh, the gig. I get, so I was, I've never talked about this as well on the show because I didn't know what, you know, I should reveal or whatever, but I guess it's good to find to talk about now. Is it? Well, listen, I, I, you know, I didn't ask for permission, but here's the thing, like, it's not happening anymore. And no. I don't actually know, <laughs> I don't know the details, you know, why this person is not doing the film anymore. No. So I, th there's nothing I can reveal that, that uh, mm -hmm. gets anybody in trouble because I literally don't know anything. No. But I think the previous part that involved you is very kind of cool and funny. Um, because, so. you know, like many, many times, and I often, often get these calls, there, there are actually some, you know, producers and filmmakers that call me up specifically because they need a certain voice. Mm. And, and I'm, I would say, often the bridge, you know, I'm, I'm kind of with a little toe on their side. And um, also on, um, you know, obviously, I'm on the other side. I'm a mm -hmm. Palestinian female filmmaker with a loud mouth on Twitter. And so, <laughs> you know, they feel like I have all the connections to to all the authentic voices. And so sometimes, I'm, I mean, actually, quite often I get a call. Do you know somebody who knows about this? Do you know somebody I can hire for this? Do you know Arab actors? Do you know Arab writers? You know, do you know somebody who's created comic books um, who's black, you know? And... Then I connect them and there was, <laughs> so here, here's Scott. He said, look, I want a black writer, a black, you know, comic book specialist nerd who can advise me on this specific storyline because I don't feel confident I can develop it alone. So you follow up, you, you continue telling people what it was because I now actually forgot the character's name. <laughs> okay, well, so um, Lexi calls me up. Uh, one day and tells me that she and I knew this already. I knew you were good friends with Scott Derrickson, who was the former director of Doctor Strange, uh, Multiverse of Madness, and he directed the first Doctor Strange and a bunch of other dope stuff as well. And so um, you called me up and was like, he's looking for somebody to work on Doctor Strange 2 as a consultant because he wants to introduce the character of Brother Voodoo. And Brother Voodoo traditionally is a Haitian guy in the comics. And if you read his comments, y'all, it, it is some of the worst shit ever most of the time. Like, it is just so trifling. Like, I did a lot of research to get ready for this. And it was so trifling, just on and on trifle. And so, anyway, he wanted to bring him in and he wanted to get it right. So Lexi's like, okay, I'll, you know, introduce you to Scott. And so they, I talked to, well, I, I, I still never actually talked to Scott, you know, like, uh, physically talk to him, but we went back and forth with his um, assistant, me, him, and his assistant, and we were working to set up a call for a few weeks, and it just kept getting delayed for various circumstances and everything. And then it started to feel kind of funny, and um, 
then the news came out that Scott Derrickson was not going to be directing Doctor Strange anymore. And Ben Amin's closest chance to work on a Marvel film went right out the window. Right yeah, which I still feel horrible about. But, you know, I, have, I, I have to say this. I have to say this. I actually think whatever whatever he was going through that made him leave, which again, honestly, I, w- I would totally tell, but I, don't, I haven't seen him since then, nor have I talked to him. And he, he wouldn't tell me something like this over text, right? So whatever happened, and it seemed to be in the end amicable, but whatever happened that made him, you know, um, uh, leave the movie, I don't know anything about. But I do believe that whatever it was, it was, must have started right after he asked me to help him find somebody. Because he's not one who postpones things. I just don't know that about him. So that's what I think, that that he asked me to do that. I found somebody. I asked you. Everything seemed to be a great fit. And then he started postponing stuff. And I think that was the time he was seeing or working out to see, um, you know, if if he can still do this movie or not. Otherwise, he would have. He probably didn't want to do this talk with you and then waste your time. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Of course, you know, and I'm not sure Scott is aware of that. You know, you went out and did hours and days of research. Yeah. You know. I mean, it's all good. It, you know, it's, it's research that I would do either way. But and it was a lot of stuff I knew. I just wanted to refresh myself so that I knew, you know, so I was like, OK, let me make sure I know what's going on with Brother Voodoo and see what needs to be done with him. And a lot because, oh, my God, it's so terrible. But, um, yeah, that tell was. Me, what, can you tell me about this character? Well, what's all right. Oh, man. Brother Voodoo is this character. He is a his name is Jericho Drum and he's a black man from Haiti. And in his original incarnation. It was like he moved away from Haiti and went to America and studied medicine and became a doctor. And he wasn't about that Haiti life anymore. You know, he was like, oh, y'all down there, you know, studying witch doctors and voodoo and all that. And then his brother gets sick and is dying and his twin brother. So he goes home. Um, well, I'm not even sure if it's twin, but his brother's sick and dying. And he goes home to, you know, see him as he's dying. And his brother's like, you got to become Dr. Voodoo or brother voodoo you know this magic is real and all this stuff and he's like whatever um so he his brother dies and when he dies his spirit like in um can inhabit his brother's body jericho who's still alive so he finds out that it's real and he has to learn the ways of voodoo and mysticism to uh battle these enemies and everything and become brother voodoo and it was just real trifling because it was like he talked in proper English until he becomes Brother Voodoo. And then he starts talking in Haitian slang. And it, it was, it, it's just really bad. Like, it, I mean, it was, it was bad. And then even in the more <laughs> modern stuff, when I read it, like in the modern stuff, he was speaking in Haitian slang, even though he, his character had never grown up in, Amer- you know, in Voodoo, like. I mean, in Haiti, like, that's just not how he would talk. You know, he would have, it, at the most, even if his family was around him, he would still be able to switch languages. I mean, not, not languages, but dialects. You know, he'd be able to code switch, as we say. But he right. wasn't doing any of that. It's just not, it was not, I mean, just to be honest, it, I did not read any of a Brother Voodoo book where it was ever written by anyone but a white dude. So that alone uh-huh. is not tough. Uh, yeah. yeah, no wonder he needed your help. Yeah, I, I mean, the character had been mistreated every, 
like recently brother voodoo became uh dr voodoo and became the sorcerer supreme like what he took dr strange's position and in the very oh, next wow. issue they were like okay let's draw from train you know oh like he, he <laughs> like instead of you know being you know front and center now you're the sorcerer supreme he was on the avengers then he becomes sorcerer supreme and leaves the avengers oh my yeah right um and Ooh. Speaking of trifling, something I have to ask y'all opinion on is uh, the new pictures from Dune were released and everyone immediately went nuts over Oscar Isaac and how he looks and they have Zendaya and some other brown people in it. So it looks Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of people I didn't even know. Aquaman's up in there. Uh, Mo- Jason, Jason Momoa. Momoa. Yep. Yeah. Um, a lot of people I didn't realize were in this film. I mean, uh, what's his name? Chalamet. Uh, yeah. Timothy uh, Chalamet. Yeah, yeah. Look, I can tell you yep. right now that the my the Arabs don't like it. Okay? Yes, that is my question. <laughs> right away, that is my question. And I know Chico knows some more. I know you know a lot. So if you could let people know why, you know this, because I, I mean, right away the thirst was real, but then it seemed like the backlash was real. Came right after. That. Well, Chico should go because I don't actually know that much. I just know when my so, people get screwed. Dune, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and it's abs- it is absolutely the case here. So Dune was originally written in the 60s as this sort of ecological response to um, the oil crisis that was going on. And Dune Arrakis, which is the planet, and it's also known as Dune, is modeled after um, the Middle East. And they actually use a lot of Middle Eastern culture, Arab culture. The word jihad itself comes up like 50 times in wow. Dune. And, and that is definitely not... Which means the struggle, by the way. The struggle. It doesn't mean right. anything other but the struggle. Right. But and, and it's the struggle of the people on Dune who are being exploited. Their resource is spice, which, yeah. allows, which allows people to bend time and distance... So it's it's basically you can't go light speed in the Dune universe without using the spice. So they exploit, you know, they the you know the people who live on Arrakis are you know, you know treated like shit by these colonial powers. Anyway, the point is, it's very much there are there's a lot of Arab culture and concepts and words, straight up words that are used in it. And um, yeah, I mean the first time around. It's all it's all white people in 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 David Lynch's version. In this one, they definitely there's there's a, there's a, a ton of like light beige people and a black woman and Zendaya. But but the, but they have there's no Arab people. None. And um, certainly all of the people on who you know all the characters of the people who live on Arrakis would definitely be you know those characters in the book are based on. You know they're supposed to be an analog for Middle Eastern and Arab people, uh, and North African people. You know, uh, but really the oil, com- you know, countries. Uh, so anyway, that's that's from from that point of view. Like that is definitely what what Dune is based on, and it's it's spice instead of oil. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I I I I can completely understand and and assume and you know, that there would be a, t- a negative reaction, uh, you know, but I, I, yeah, Lexi could definitely speak to that. Uh, well, um, my friend Hannah wrote an, uh, a newspaper article about it. And again, I'm a little bit like, it, it, it's weird to like, 
although I think it is necessary because everybody's going to watch this tune because we're all starving for new content. So, of mm. course, we need to speak up about it. And she was absolutely right to write it. I'm a little bit less loud about it because, you know, my head is still full. Like, are we really letting, like, you know, all the people of color in Sweden die because they're being stupid? Like, you know, it's mm. watching so much international news and knowing that in almost every country, you know, the, the darker your, your skin tone, the worse you're off with this coronavirus kind of does keep my focus on that. And, mm. you know, it's hard for me to say, whoa, we should have been in that. But she was absolutely right. And she got actually a lot of pushback. Somebody's trying to tell her that Javier Badiam is an Arab, which... <laughs> Wait, what? I mean, <laughs> yeah, they tried to tell her Javier Badiam is an Arab. And, and um, somebody even told her, you know, even... Uh, Russian Jews are really Semites and Arab, and it, it, it like it became ridiculous the comments she got, you know, um, and, and people just didn't want to hear it. But you know, it's completely appropriating our culture. And listen, you're not talking about a people who, you know, have we don't have any representation mm. at all. We we got a couple of guys in Aladdin, which you know, but then we got the reports of how they had to spray tan people in Manchester to be extras, you know? Wow. So it's like, we never get anybody, ever. And we really haven't even come close. And part of it is our fault because, you know, the Arabs tell their kids to become engineers and doctors and we don't really, <laughs> you know, so there's not a big crowd of us that cares. Um, <laughs> the few of us that do, we I don't know how we can scream any louder, but why can't that be a given? Like, why can't we start you know, representing cultures in a respectful manner without a bunch of people having to go absolutely nuts. And it's just never like that. And I'm glad to see that a few activists from other POC communities came out to say, look, this is bullshit. And I was very happy about that because certainly I do that for every group. And it was nice to see, to have some solidarity and say, you know, look, uh, you know, <laughs> I think Oscar Isaacs is dreamy. Are you kidding me? I would cast him myself and everything. He's great. But he keeps popping up as, a, as an Arab substitute, and that's just mm. not okay. You know, and there's, there's a bunch of that. Like, just because, you know, you put a bunch of brown people or beige people in does not mean you are now really representing a culture. And it's unfortunate because what some of these guys are not even big names. Like, why? Why couldn't you cast like a few really solid Arab actors? Mm -hmm. So the um, the 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 other thing is that the Arabs are the good guys in Dune, and the bad guys are the colonial people. And Paul Atreides, the main character, Timothy Chalamet, is definitely a white savior. I mean, yes. absolutely the epitome of, of, of a white savior. But yeah, I mean, it 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 actually is a really good opportunity for them to actually here's a here's a big hollywood movie that's coming out and all the arab guys are the good guys and you could cast you know i mean the other i i think the other issue and lexi you would know more about this than me i think another problem is that a lot of arab um uh characters in movies are actually played by israeli actors um and 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 that in itself i think is a little or you know, latin like yeah well, or, or, it, or it latin. Does 
it, it, well, the Latin part is, you know, that has to stop because now you're just mixing up brown people and they have yes. right. taken this. But right. it's also about like, we, we I just had this conversation on Twitter yesterday because a friend of mine just rewatched Community um, where an actor was acting like there's a role for a Palestinian who was who, but they cast a South Asian actor um, <laughs> and he didn't speak any Arabic. And then he had a scene with his father oh, no. and they pretended to speak Arabic and apparently it became like, a big argument because one of my other friends confronted him on Facebook <laughs> and said, you don't actually speak Arabic. So it's like, it's, you know, but, but it truly is that now here's the weird thing about, because I, I have to say, cause you know, sometimes there's a whole other world that is much more up in arms about, you know, uh, you know, this whole thing about Israelis and, you know, Arabs, you know, whereas we actually, you know, I have a lot of friends who are Israeli, who are, you know, lefty Israelis. They're against the occupation. They are, you know, protesting loudly. So, you know, there isn't an incident. Well, that should certainly never happen you know, at all. And, you know, there was a, a group I was involved in of MINA, uh, Middle East and North African actors that tried to fight for a presence ba basically among Hollywood. So that we can be counted. And there was an Israeli actor who definitely had Arab features and therefore wasn't really cast as a white guy. And I understood that. I there was, there was no doubt in my mind that he was suffering from the same Middle Eastern discrimination we suffered from. Mm. And so, uh, you know, there isn't that instant like, well, that should never happen because in some instances, it's really not a white guy who's replacing you. It's a guy who looks just like somebody on the other side of the border. And if we're not talking about that border, which is really a fence with snipers, then, you know, that's an issue that just should be okay because you're brown, I'm brown. They don't cast us as Joe Schmoes. So we got to like, look at that. But when we're talking about taking over a people's culture and actually using the scenery and using the words and all of that, you know, that's like one of the things um, that I mean that you, I'm sure, understand. And I often see black Twitter talk about is you want to be black when it's only convenient. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to have the dreadlocks and you, you want to listen to the rap music, but you don't want the cops shooting you. You know, yeah. you don't want the cops stopping you all the time. And that's the same with Arabs. Like, oh, now you like our culture for, for this super cyber service, but you don't want to put up with what we put up at all, nor are you ever on our side. And that's where it becomes unfair. All the way. No, that's like, like I always say, I can't remember. I'm, I think it might have been Paul Mooney who said that everybody wants to be an, an N-word until they're, you know, it's time to be an N-word. So, like, like you were saying, you know, Dune, I mean, it's coming out. We'll be star for content. The funniest thing is I saw people talk about how the, um, you know, the box office wasn't going to be anything because people don't care about sci-fi unless it's something like Star Wars. And then uh, Shouts to Ty, the robot, he was like, what box office? Because, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see if there will be people in theaters. I, and I think it's coming out this year, allegedly. But December, you know, they, they, I mean, they, they were announcing in a December date, although it was supposed to be like, you know, May or it was supposed to open like right after Black Widow. You know. Oh, months. wow. I didn't yeah. know that. So now it's December. So it got pushed yeah. back. Or oh. maybe it's in the early summer, but it got it's definitely everything has got pushed back to December. Yeah, Soul uh, got pushed back this week as well uh, to joining everything else. But Soul is now November, and it's coming out on the same day as the first Toy Story did, like, 
you know, whatever it was 25 years ago now. Right. Just wild that yeah, it's been that long since Toy Story. Wow. Doom, yeah, Doom gets pushed back. Everything gets pushed back, except for our next segment. <laughs> yeah, you like that, right? Beautiful segues to what the show yeah. is about. Professional as fuck, as we were once called. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my favorite review of For All Nerds ever. Professional as fuck. It's uh, true. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We love to do it. Oh, and you know, we were like an hour into the show, and before we even get into geekly asked questions, because normally my partner Tatiana King would be here to, you know, read all the questions, but she is not here. She is taking a sabbatical. She escaped on her escape pod, as you should do, but she will be back soon enough. And, you know, if she's doing well, everybody hit her up on Twitter, on Instagram. We're still trying to get her to do some Twitch on twitch.tv slash for all nerds, play some Animal Crossing or something. But, you know, that'll soon come. So don't y'all worry. And Tatiana will be back soon. But now it's time for the geekly asked questions. The guac is extra. The guac is extra. Where we answer any and all questions from our listeners. And if you are a special tier on Patreon, you can ask a question as well. And I think we actually have a Patreon question this week. But anyone can send in their questions to Contact at forallnerds.com or you can hit us on the Twitters, on the Instagrams at forallnerds and ask any question that you want. Boom, you like that. That's how it goes down here on the For All Nerds show. And yes, we do have a question from our Patreon, so I'm going to ask that first. And I always butcher this person's name and they're always, they've been a long time supporter, but let me do it one more time. Yo, this is Shy's Nuke. Shiz Nuke? I never know. I wanted to ask a Patreon question. Watching Den- BJ Ben I mean play the Final Fantasy VII remake made me wonder, what other games would you like to see remade with current tech? I would love to see an updated Star Fox with a regular length story mode and a uh, multi, a massively multi-whatever player mode. I've never played the original Star Fox, but I know it's a banger. It's like one of the greatest games for Nintendo 64, so... And I know if Tatiana King was here, she would be screaming about how it's one of the best games ever and it needs to be remade as well. So I'll, I'll go with that. And um, let me think about that. Chico or Alexi, do you have any games that you would like to see remade with current technology? Street Fighter. Uh, yes. I mean, but that always gets remade. Oh. But it doesn't feel as good as the original Street Fighter. No, I feel you. No, it, like I, I still, I'm a Street Fighter 2, like to this day. I'll play the original. Whoop anybody. In fact, bring it. Y'all, y'all want it. Let's go. I'm out there. Anytime. <laughs> so th- this might have been updated, but I remember as, as a little kid playing Spy Hunter in the, in the arcade. And, you know, this, but this was still like, you know, um, Roger Moore was still James yep. Bond, you know. Uh, and I feel like if they updated that, and you had this really dope car. They did like an espionage thing in the Grand Theft Auto sort of, you know, world. And you're in sort of all these different locations. I, I think that could be cool. That's uh, fire. Yeah, like, uh, you know. I mean, then you could just do Goldeneye and do both of them at once. I updated like, you know, to like a whole, like you said, a Grand Theft Auto spy game. Right. Yeah. Because like, you don't, I mean, you don't get out of the car in Spy Hunter, no. but this one, yeah, you could get out of the car and switch to like a first person, like Goldeneye mm-hmm. mode, and you get um, in a boat in Spy Hunter too. Right, 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 right. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a uh, classic. 
Yeah. That's, that's a great answer. one. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, I'll go with another. In, I mean, I'll say GoldenEye again because GoldenEye is one of my favorite games ever, and I think it could also use a refresh. But, um, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I am playing Final Fantasy VII, the remake, and I've never played any Final Fantasies before. I know nothing about them at all, and this game is weird as fuck. Um, that's all I'll say so far because I really, it, I'm still very early in the game. I'm really loving it. The combat's dope. The, the graphics, the music is really good. I don't know if I can say the story is good so far because it's weird and it's Japanese. And someone asked me to go find their little kittens, and then I chopped up a bunch of people. So it's like the tone is all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, when people talk about tone in films, it has nothing on a Final Fantasy game because I literally murdered a bunch of people, and then someone was like, "Why don't you go find this little girl?" Like, you go find my kittens, and yeah, that's what happens. All right, next up. Hey, I listen to you guys weekly. Love the show, and I try and put people on as much as possible. But anyway, thank you. Thank you very much for all that. Please put more people on. Everyone out there, spread the word for all nerds. But anyways, I'm a frequent traveler, or at least I was up until the Rona ruined everything, including a trip I was supposed to take to Jamaica last week, a trip I was supposed to be taking this month to Alaska, and more than likely a trip I was planning for May to visit Chile. Oh, oh sorry. I'm hurt, but I don't mind as much. But now I'm wondering if they're going to cancel San Diego Comic-Con. And this is literally the first time I have been able to get tickets. And it would actually be my first con. Mm. Uh. Oof. I guess my question to you guys is what plans are the Roro ruining for y'all? The Roro. I like that one. And where is the first place you guys will be traveling to after all of this? That's rough. Yeah, that's rough, fam. Oh, I feel for you because... I think San Diego Comic Con is going to get canceled or postponed. Yeah, yeah definitely. If it hasn't already been by the time this episode airs. Um, yeah, because yeah. I mean, look, I, here's the thing. I know that we're focused on all the stuff we're missing, but yes. I think it's best to put the focus on, you know, uh, you know what we're not getting if we're, if we're going there. Because to be honest, mm. like you don't want to be in a mass of people yeah. right now. Because that thing is deadly, and it's yes. not just deadly for old people or people with asthma. You know, there's now been reports all over Europe from people who, you know, were completely fine and young. Because what's happening is also that our healthcare system breaks down. That's the whole reason to have isolation and shelter in place anyway, is to slow it down, the spread, because the, the hospitals, the doctors, not enough doctors or nurses that can you know, this is rarely talked about, but there's not enough nurses who know how to um, operate a ventilator. Uh, that's why they're trying to recruit them up to like $20,000 a week, I've seen. Um, yeah. You know, they're trying to recruit them from all kinds of countries and nobody wants to go to America right now. So they're not getting them. And so the thing about it is that if you, even though you could maybe survive it in normal circumstances or in Germany, <laughs> you know, you're not surviving it here, you know, and there's a very good chance, no matter how healthy you are, if you're going into hospital right now, you know, you may not survive it. And so we have to think about this for the rest of the year. And trust me, I'm, I'm dying because I'm like, I've done martial arts my entire life. That's how I keep saying it's basically why I don't have to take a high dose of, um, antidepressant <laughs> it's true mm -hmm. you know my doctor literally said you know you can either do 
more cardio or we have to up your medication. And that's how I stay mentally healthy is by doing a lot of boxing, a lot of working out. And it's been always martial arts. I can't sit on a bike and I can't like any, any other sport is just too boring for me to stick with. So I'm, I get it. I'm dying because all my friends are closing their martial arts schools because, mm. you know, we can't actually have contact sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, be the normal people. I don't know how Vince McMahon is going to do it. He probably has a million tests so he can test people before or something. But as regular people, I don't see us going back into a dojo or boxing ring for you know a year until this vaccine is out. Mm. And so um, you know, when I think about Comic Con or any other event people have planned, you know, yes, we can. It's a shame and it's a complete bummer, especially getting tickets the first time. But if you look at it uh, as a basically like as a, you know, a mass of viruses (laughs) that you have a choice of going in or not going in and trying to focus on, you know, the safety of it and the bubble you put yourself in like a shield, you know, Um, I think that's a better focus to keep on than what we're missing. Yeah, I I fully agree there. And I know it sucks. I've never been to San Diego Comic-Con. We always want to go and we've never gotten in ourselves, but we go to New York Comic Con every year. And that's pretty much like the only major con that I go to this year. What's really wild is this year I had so planned. I was like, I'm going to all them joints. I was going to Dragon Con. I was going to uh, what's the Blur Con down in DC. And we were definitely going to, you know, destroy New York Comic Con as always. And now I doubt it, you know, and it sucks because I love New York Comic Con. Like, yo, I had a dream about it the other night. That's how wild it is. I had a dream about going to New York Comic Con, and then I woke up like, oh, you know, like, mm-hmm. good thing you had that dream, bro, because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah, look for 2021, kids. You know, like, that's just like with um, uh, South by Southwest. Right, I was, waiting, like, I, was waiting, yeah, I was waiting for you to mention yeah, that. Yeah, it seems cause... so long ago now, you know, but that was my first time. I'm from Houston, and growing up, I never went to South by. Just, you know, for various reasons, I never got to go. And so this is my first time getting to go. We were presenters. We had a platinum badge. Like, I can't, I say this every goddamn time it comes up, but I can't thank the listeners of this show and the supporters of this show enough because it was through them that we even got to go. And I will never forget the feeling of opening that email and expecting the email to be like, sorry, bruh. You know, and then opening the email and being like, nah, you're good. You're going to South by Southwest. Like, I was mind blown because, once again, it was the listeners who voted us in. And that just blows my mind that we had that kind of power and love from people when it's big corporations using all their weight to get into South by. So, wow. we were and then won't. Yeah, know? well, I, I also, I've also always wanted to go to South by Southwest. And I've and I was telling you, come on. on. I know, but that's what I was saying. So I had, you know, an invitation and a place to stay yep. this year. I was and, about to buy you uh, a damn ticket, man. I ain't here. Like, I was like, fuck yes, it, let's no. go. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for this, we would we, we would be talking about how dope it was. Yeah. Um, but, like, I also have a similar thing in May. I have a friend who was going to teach in Chile. It's funny that, that the listener mentioned Chile. I had a friend who was going to teach in Chile for a month, teach mm-hmm. trailer editing. And they got him a house. And he said, um, you know, basically, you can come and stay whenever you want, however long you want. And if my Spanish was better, I could have, they would have bought me a ticket as his quote unquote translator. Mm -hmm. But I was going to do whatever it took to go to Chile in May. 
And um, I mean, that that got canceled like, you know, three four weeks ago, you know. So I you know, there, there were a couple of things. But yeah, I mean, what 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 Lexi said is absolutely true, too. Um, and it is worth uh, thinking about, like, I think uh, about three or four weeks ago, I heard if you went on a ventilator, you had a 20 percent chance of survival. And literally today on the news, they had a doctor and he said, if you go on a ventilator, you have a 13% chance of survival. Mm-hmm. And that's because of what Lexi's talking about. They're so overwhelmed that there are people who might have otherwise survived. But because it's like you've got nurses dealing with 20 ventilators and they're only supposed to be dealing with one or they're hooking multiple people up to one ventilator and they're like jury rigging them in, in the, you know, in the um, in the hospital. And these are people who've been working for like 16, 18 hours straight. You know, I mean, it's literally they are on the front line. Of if you war. even get a ventilator, that's yes. the thing. Here, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, that's the other thing is, you know, sometimes there's triage where they just look at someone and they're like, oh, they're 80 years old. We're not even going to bother because there might be a 20 year old who might need that ventilator. And so, yeah, it's it, it is really I mean, it is serious and. You know what? There's going to be a South by Southwest next year. Yeah. And, you know, there's going to be a, a, a San Diego Comic-Con. And, like, hopefully my friend is going to get invited to, you know, do this this thing with trailer editing in Chile next year. And, you know, they, uh, you know, they'll always be next year. Um, but for some people, there won't be. And that's who, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what, you, you know, that's why we're sheltering. To and that's why we're saying always count your blessings. Yes, exactly. It's true. But, you know, there's also stuff like I think, you know, I, I yes, you know, um, Ben, when you asked me first about the uh, Instagram live, you know, like the first two, three weeks when I came back from New York from that job, I wasn't in the mood to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, film podcast related and many people asked, they were actually functioning much, much better about this isolation, instantly trying to get some kind of entertainment and other stuff going. And I wasn't for some reason in the right state of mind for it. I am now, and I, I, I look out and I think, wow, you know, if so many panels and stuff um, have stopped and have been canceled, yep. you know, there should be, and you know, I'm, I'm saying this to the people who are good at this stuff, like, I don't even know how Instagram live works, to be honest. <laughs> we're we're going to show you. We're definitely yeah, going to But, you know, there should be more stuff like this. I mean, look. The one thing that's for certain right now is people like, for example, Peter Ramsey and myself, That's this is the best time you can get catch us to do mm. this kind of stuff. And, you know, people who are much more A-list than, you know, I, I, I'm not even the fucking D-list when it comes to directors. <laughs> oh, come on. You know, like the, the boys that you're trying to always get and nobody ever gets because they're doing a million things. I mean, they really, who, who like, what excuse? Like, I would literally call all of them because what excuse can they possibly have right now? Like, where are you going? <laughs> what, Robert Townsend still shaded us on, on Twitter the other day. Like, we, uh, Robert Townsend, who directed yeah. Hollywood Shuffle, uh, Five Hard Beats, oh, Meet Your yeah. Man. Mm-hmm. I fucking love him. I'm a huge fan forever. And we had at least 100 retweets the other day asking him to come on the show. Not a response. Are you Whatever. sure he, he runs his own Twitter? I don't, it, you know, but I don't know, because he was, the way he was tweeting that day, it felt like he did, you know, but then again, you're right. People, I mean, listen, I yeah. say this all the time. I told you, like most of when, when it's night in California, you know, and my Twitter uh, account is going, I can guarantee you that it's one of my friends tweeting from my account. I always wow. say this to people, at least four to six 
Arab and Turkish women actually, you know, using my <laughs> Twitter account. Um, and, you know, it, and it's so funny, like I could be speaking fluent French or speaking about Kashmir, you know, like perfectly intellectual. And they, every time they think it's me, it doesn't matter what subject it is. Um, I and it's a, you. I did not know. Well, you know, most of the time, it's like most of the time it is, but uh, from day one, since I had Twitter and I've always said this out openly, I remind people constantly that I have other people. And this time when I did the TV show in New York, I actually for once, because it always gets me into trouble because people who run TV shows don't understand that some people sh like have other people tweet for them. And so they think I'm tweeting while I'm working. So for once I shut down my personal Twitter account and I have this other Twitter account that is a collective and I told all the girls they have to use this. And you know, it's true, like that Twitter account barely gets any action. Mm. And I think the disconnect here really is, and that's why I'm saying that about Robert, you know, it, when somebody's name is on top, it, it, no matter what they say, unless I would say something, you know, like racist or something like that, or, or sexist or misogynist, then people would say, oh, she's been hacked, right? But un yeah. un unless it's not something outrageous opposite of me, mm. people always assume it's me. They have just taken that for granted, which is so dangerous for the kids because they always think they're really talking to the person. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's a whole other dark world about it. Now, in my case, it's not dangerous, but, you know, I do wonder sometimes what I miss when somebody's having a whole ass conversation with me at night, but it's not really me. <laughs> you know? uh, um, but that's, I mean, that's great that you're amplifying like these women's voices because, like you mm -hmm. said, that like they're, the other account doesn't get as much traffic. Not only know? that, they wouldn't, like, I have a couple of women from Saudi Arabia, for example, who would not, it's so monitored there that yeah. they would not be able to say, even on, on, in an anonymous account, they will get found out and arrested. Like, Saudi Arabia had people working at Twitter. So it, there's a whole, and, and they're not all in Saudi Arabia. Some are just from really um, conservative Muslim families, you know. So for them to be able to skip in and out my account and to, and they, I, I trust them completely. And it's always something interesting or important they're saying. Um, so, you know, th that's a thing that's really important to me. Plus, sometimes they're just simply funny and make me look good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's really become a thing. Like I don't, I don't see Robert Townsend just ignoring a hundred retweets, but mm -hmm. I can see him not use Twitter for two months. And for example, have his kids are really the ones who once in a while mm -hmm. co come out. I, I remember meeting one of his kids once and I can totally see them saying, Oh dad, you have to have a Twitter account, you yeah. know, um, yeah, let me tweet something for you and then not think about it for two, mm -hmm. two months, you know? Yeah. I would I would shoot um, uh, an email to his agent or you know you know guys know know so many people by now by now go to somebody who has a direct contact no, him, yeah. you know and just say look you know we don't want to like stalk him but we just kind of have a feeling he didn't see it and we would just officially like to extend an uh, um, an invitation and see how that works yeah no we definitely will but um we. Even though we went through all that, we still did not actually answer the listener's question. So where is the first place that you would go after this is all done? I'd like to go to the movies, to see a movie in the movie theater. <laughs> you know? Uh, so I would like to see a movie, like, opening night, a big movie in a, crowd, in a packed theater, you know? Yeah. I don't care if it's John Wick 4 
or Black Widow or Dune. I want to, you know, I want to see a movie, a big movie with a big audience. Yes. Because I haven't been around, you know, I mean, I've, you know, it's just been me and my cat for the most part for the last (laughs) month. Yeah, big me and my dog there too, yeah. Um, I think I would go, um, I would normally say I'm going to go to, you know, a boxing gym. But uh, the truth is, I actually, I was on my way to Europe after my last job. Um, I was going to go scout for this movie I'm doing for the Blumhouse people and then at the same time also visit family. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen that side of my family in Germany for a long time. And now I actually, believe it or not, I tried to to fly as soon as I realized how serious the situation is and how badly the U.S. is handling it versus Germany. I tried to fly to Germany and they said, we're not letting you in. Wow. <laughs> I'm not a German citizen anymore. Yeah. Um, when I became an American citizen, I had to give up my German citizenship. And so if I was, if I hadn't done that, which I only did to vote for Obama, which <laughs> I have to say I'm really regretting now. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but if I hadn't done that, I, I would have been, I would have had the right to be, uh, you know, repatriated mm-hmm. or whatever they call it, like rescue, basically be rescued by the Germans and be in a great country where they don't kill people by age or by, by asthma. Or, you wow. know? Um, but yeah, they, they were, they were like hardcore. They were like, no, you can't come in. <laughs> wow. Wow. But, which is somewhat funny to be honest, but not when, you know, my mother is 75. I mean, she's healthy as a shoe. Like I'm not worried, but she is 75. And the idea that now I haven't seen her in three years because I've been so busy mm-hmm. and I was just on my way there. Like if something were to happen to her, you know, I have a niece who's, you know, three years old that I have never met. Um, so it, it's on and on. Like I have a whole family there that I was supposed to see. So I think that's, that would be the first thing I would do. Yeah, me is, I will definitely fly to Houston to see my dad and my sister and my nephew and nieces, and then straight from Houston to an island. That's oh, the first, yeah, somewhere. Yeah, that, cause that was the last thing. I, I went to Jamaica right before all this went down. Like, right as it was really getting bad in China, I was like, let me just take one last trip, because I really needed it. I, I needed a trip for a long time like that, because I had not had it through a lot of traumatic experiences I've had, so... Uh, after this traumatic experience, I plan to do the same thing, yeah, and go to another island. But also, um, like, you know, I agree with both of y'all choices, family, and I just, I want to be in a movie theater again and not be worried, you know, and be in there with a bunch of people and enjoy a movie like that. That's something that I really do miss, so. Yeah. In the meantime, though, we should organize some, um, uh, what do you call them? Like, you know, some of those. More online movie watchers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, um... that's. So no, I think that'll be a good idea in the meantime, you know? Mm-hmm. No, we've been definitely doing more. And now that you're up for it, we would definitely, and since you've been on the show this week, we're going to have to have you on an Instagram live soon and, you know, do some more things. So I've been, it's been tough, but I've been really trying to just do as many things like that and do more collaborative things with, pe- with people right now, because I feel like that's all we got is other people, you know, and this, you know, situation is really showing us once again, like, you know, all we got is us. And so I've been really working at doing more things with other people and doing more things online and just talking and doing DJ sets. And then like we have our Twitch channel where we were talking about the COVID and playing games with people, just anything just to communicate and to collaborate with more and more people right now is what I want to do. 
I think that's a great idea. And to be honest, I think it's a great service. Like, honestly, your podcast with Peter was mm. probably one of the only times that, you know, I was literally like, you know, uh, giggling and laughing and like thinking like I was transferred into mm. completely away from what's going on right now. And I think that if, if we can somehow provide that to people, it's a fantastic thing. You know? Well, that's what we keep doing on the show. So as always, if you have any questions or comments, whatever, please send them in to contact at forallnerds.com or you can hit us on Twitter or Instagram at forallnerds. And with that, since we have Chico Leo in the house tonight, it's time for a world famous Chico's Pick of the Week. So, uh, yeah, this, 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 uh, this, this we know. I, I like, I mean, you know, it's normally I'm used to the dulcet tones of Tatiana King, but yep, you know. But, we, but we're also going to have Luna, our expert editor. I know he's going to add some oh, spice right. to that. It's going to be crazy when you hear it tomorrow. Trust All me. All right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'd been watching a lot of Amazon Prime, but I got back on, uh, on Netflix and uh, highly, highly recommend uh, The Platform, uh, which is uh -huh. a, uh, a Spanish film. Uh, from from Spain, that's uh, sort of a uh, um, parasite uh, meets Snowpiercer uh, sort of sci-fi class uh, movie set in like a weird futuristic prison that I was blown away with. I actually don't remember the director's name, but it, it was a really incredible first time, uh, you know, first movie, like really, really, really well directed. Um, and but it's it's a you know it's a little serious a little heavy but but it's really good um and for lighter stuff um people might not know there used to be a show called Spencer for Hire which has No, you're not about to recommend the uh the what you call it? I like the Marky Mark. You're going to come on uh, here and recommend a Marky March movie. But it it was wait, this is why I'm recommending it. It That's was very much an 80s like buddy movie that like i haven't seen in like 20 years and winston duke and is dope no no all right i i will go with your even though i cannot stand prison and prison films i've heard that the platform is very dope. oh no the platform is really dope and i was yeah. just trying to offer light viewing as yeah, an alternative marky mark <laughs> i mean you know it's on netflix it's not it's not i'm not telling people to go to the movies and support it Sure. Um, and I also was a fan of the show. I mean, the original show was Isaac Hayes and Robert Urich. You know, I didn't even realize that that I have to unmute myself so you hear me laughing. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even realize that that was the same Spencer show. Yeah, it's nice. The that's show how that, terrible that movie is. I turned it off like 30 minutes in. That's, that, he's Hawk. Even Isaac Hayes had his own show for like half a season. Yeah, I know. I, I remember that, but I did not remember, I did not realize that that was the, you know, connection there. Well, you know, the other reason is because I hate when they remake all these things from like the 70s and 80s and that were like gritty and they make them as comedies like Starsky and Hutch. Even something like Charlie's Angels was a grittier show than like the movies that they've made of Charlie's Angels. And Miami Vice is the only one where like they took a gritty show and made a gritty movie. And definitely. No. The... Why is it gritty? <laughs> it was, that shit has Post Malone in it. <laughs> Miami Vice? <laughs> no, um, Spencer. Oh, I know. Yeah, well, you know, um, <laughs> it wasn't a comedy. It wasn't Starsky and Hutch with Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller or whoever, uh, you know, um, 
So, all right, you know, whatever. Wow, my I, I've never had a pick of the week. And that was that was only my alternate. My pick of the yeah. week is definitely uh, um, the platform for sure. That was just like for people who didn't want to watch, a, you know, a, a prison dark, movie well, about, about class and social uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> and inequality that I was like, all right, and if you want to see a buddy thing, you know, but it is true. It is uh, it is Mark Wahlberg and it is uh, and and Winston Duke. So, oh, and Alan Arkin is in it. It is dope yeah, too. And, uh, both of them are shooting way below their class, right there. You know, right. doing that film. They needed a check. Um, I also peeped, and I know you peeped most of it. Uh, I am not okay with this. Or I'm not okay with this, which is also on Netflix. It's been there for a few weeks or months now. I finally got to peep it. It was cool. It's really quick. It's seven episodes. They're like 20-something minutes each, and it is quick and over. It's about this young girl who develops powers, telekinetic-type powers, and what happens to her. And it's, it's you know, it's interesting for, for what it is. I thought, I don't want to spoil anything, but I thought the ending was type weak. You know, it's, it's supposed to leave on this big cliffhanger, and I was kind of like, ah, you know, so... I don't know if I'm gonna come back for the second season, but like once again, if you're looking for something to watch and it's not about class and you know social strata and setting a prison or any of that, you know, I'm not okay with this on Netflix. It's pretty chill. So yeah, I, I actually started watching that based on your recommendation because I was like, ah, oh, this looks like Carrie or even oh, yeah. you know like you know any you know issue of the New Mutants from like yep. 1986. That's but, but it, it's actually really good. The lead yeah. actress is really great. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it has a slightly different feel than a lot of, like, sort of Netflix teen things do. Yeah. So I actually, like, yeah, you've sort of seen it before, but it's done really well. That's how I would describe it. Yep, me too. And very well done. All right. And that's it for Chico's Pick of the Week. And we're almost done with the show. But, uh, you know, we have our special guest, Lexi, here. and so. Please let the internet know where that you they can find you at. And I mean, I don't know what you're up to these days, other than you know, like most of us chilling in the house. But yeah, yeah, um, really, just chilling in the house, um, <laughs> uh, organizing a very large garage of um, some would refer to it as trash. I refer to it no. as vint- vintage treasures. <laughs> yes, uh, Well. You know, it, it looked a little disorganized, but it starts to get better. Um, so that's what I'm doing. Um, but I am on Twitter at Lexi Alex, and I'm going to be with you on Instagram live soon, right? Yes, very soon. Yes, hopefully this week, folks. Uh, we'll see. Though, yeah, I mean, we might be able to work it out by Friday if we got some time on Friday. Uh, the show will be out before then. So you know, once again, thank you to Chico. Thank you to Lexi for joining me. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Uh, And with that, we're out of here.